You know, our next episode should be a time-traveling one where we talk about how great the um, the Xanathar's Guide to Everything we got for Christmas is. <laughs> Welcome to Companions of the Perception Check, episode 15, Humans. Tonight, um, I am joined by... Seth Colgrove. Zachary Ruffing. I am, I am a self, self-identified human. <laughs> Alrighty, guys. So, humans in D&D, they, they've obviously been around since first edition um and beyond they've i guess not only are there a way to tell stories but you can explore different ideas of humanity through them yeah they're in most D and D worlds. They're considered the most common race, much like owls in Futurama. Obscure Futurama reference there. All right. Um, I think all Futurama references are probably kind of obscure at the obscure <laughs> at this point. Um. So the <laughs> mechanically, um. Through the through the editions, I'm not quite sure how they were done in the in first edition. Um, but I know as you go through like second edition, uh, they they weren't allowed to multi-class. Uh, right, multi-classing worked a little different then, though, because you had a, because all your classes kind of leveled at the same time. I mean, there was always the optional that you can ignore this rule and allow them to multi-class, but by default, they weren't supposed to be able to. And in the game, Eye of the Beholder, your human characters um, couldn't multi-class. The thing is, though, your humans could be any class. They could just only be one of them. Ah. Uh, um, and moving on to third edition... They had the ability to ignore their highest class when determining their XP penalty. Uh, I never played three third edition, so I'm not quite sure what that that means. Well, when you when you were leveling, you needed a certain amount of experience to level up, um, and depending on how far apart your um, how far apart your class levels were, depending on how much uh, extra experience you had to get to level up. Or it would be penalized by a certain percentage, depending on how you calculated it. Now, humans had something called, every race had something called a favored class. If you took this class, um, if you took this class any, um, it didn't count against your calculation for levels. Humans, their favorite class was whatever they were best at. So humans could be wizards, you know, could be fighters, whereas, uh, for example, Janazi were that they only avoided such penalties if their highest class was a fighter. 
So a human could, in theory, kind of keep... Basically be a, a fighter... A, a, a fighter wizard and keep alternating which which is the higher class without really much penalty. Right. Or like again, you could get you could ignore a particular class in calculating your level penalty, but for most races it was only a single class it was only a single class. And it was that or not or you had calculated always. Mm-hmm. But like, it, like if you were a human, it really came into play if you were taking on a third class. And also back in these days, prestige classes didn't count. Mm-hmm. But So for example, if you were level 5 fighter and then level 2 wizard and then you wanted to take a level in ranger, only your wizard level would matter in the calculation. Okay. Going through these, I can start to see why people felt 3rd edition was way too complicated. Sounds very classy. (laughs) Um, Now, uh, were there there anything, I don't know, special about humans in in 4th edition? Or mechanically, were they similar to how they were in 3 or 5? Well, the, one of the things that humans have always been good at is adaptability. Humans had a lot of ability to get extra extra skills or specialize into pretty much anything. Humans, uh, <coughs> humans got their ability score improvements, but it wasn't any two ability scores you wanted whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Rather than it was like for tieflings, it was like you get a bonus to charisma and then pick either constitution or intelligence for your other boost. Ah. So, and then I think they just got to pick right off the top whatever extra language they want. They didn't have one tied to them. Mm-hmm. And there actually, there actually were a couple, um, there were a couple paragon paths and one epic destiny that were meant for humans only. Oh, really? What were those? I don't remember what the Paragon Paths were, but the uh, the epic destiny had something to be like an heir of Nurath or something. But all of them had to deal with uh, largely just the uh, durability and, uh, and adaptability of humans. Well, I know... As you, as you said um, earlier, the humans are in, in almost every campaign setting. In fact, I can't think of any one off the top of my head uh, that doesn't have basically humans as the most spread out or dominant race. At least in terms of sheer numbers. Um, yeah. That's kind of a thing. But, I mean, if you were to set it in some other time period, like the, uh, the if you were to set it in the Age of Thunder in the Forgotten Realms, you'd have all basically wizard folk, uh, bullywugs, and 
Aarakocra, except kind of different, but I mean, yeah, they've come into their own now. It would sort of, most of them have elves or some other race with the dominant, and now humans or the past several thousand years have stepped up. Mm-hmm. In, uh, in Eberron, like the continent of Corvair was originally mostly orcish and goblin. Mm-hmm. And it was giants and demons before that. Yeah. The, and I guess... Humans migrated from Sarnalona, I believe. Well, if I've learned nothing from science fiction, it is that uh, humans have always made it their purpose to go out and multiply as best they can. That brings us to the, the next point. <laughs> in, uh, <laughs> in, in most You know me, cases, the master of the Segway. Uh, <laughs> and yet you don't ride one to work. I know, it's, it's sad, really. Um, the, that in, in the, at least the official campaigns, it's the all half-whatevers are considered to be half-human, or at least of human descent. Um, yeah, this isn't, I mean, it's not technically true most of the time, like, a, uh, a Genasi can be any one of the humanoid races, but, and I mean, I've even seen it mentioned as a possibility in, uh, even in the uh, Princess of the Apocalypse book where it's meant, where they're mentioned, but usually whenever in one of the books or stories I find a Genasi, they almost always specifically mention a human parent. Uh-huh. What, the one exception I've seen one exception I've seen is uh, Regis when he's reincarnated in The Companion. He's not quite a water genasi, but he has some water elemental. It, like, you know, he's sort of really, really, he's so much, he's so much watered down, water elemental. He's kind of got some of the powers, but he's not really a genasi and he's a halfling. Mm-hmm. But still, like, it even says in the books that half-orcs can be half-dwarven, but you never see that. <laughs> yeah, you, you really don't. And, and uh, I don't know, it, especially with, like, half-elves, I could see a, a bigger role-playing ability if you were a non-human had a non-human parent but yeah that would be difficult to really write in there yeah um, and I mean tieflings also can be from anything but unless you're a large dragon or a fairy um, which are specific kinds most of the time you're also assumed to be of human descent of you know mostly mm-hmm same with Azamar, same with... I mean, you, you don't have to be, but that's usually how they're depicted and what most people do. Mm-hmm. Although I sort of understand, because I don't want to think about what a half-elf, half-dwarf looks like. <laughs> now it's all I can think about. <laughs> and this is the point where Seth goes running to the... 
nearest uh, convenience store to buy a bottle of whiskey and bleach for both his eyes and his brain. I could have gone one of two directions. That's one, or try to find the nearest issue of uh, pointy ears and shapely rears. So. <laughs> Going to get it signed by the Kilty Pleasures as well? <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, I, Zach corrected me, um, at least in the novels. Going through what I've read, just due to, just due to the abundance of humans and how they've spread out, when it's set... In the modern day, I had a hard hard time finding anywhere there wasn't a human pro or antagonist. But Zach says the last Mithril books seem to have that. Mithril. Mithril. No no R. Mithril. Last Mithril books. Uh, Yeah. I mean, they do bring in some of the Thembians, but they're always ancillary characters. When I say that, I, I meant, you know, not that, oh, this group of elves walk through the human city brushing off and talking to the human barkeep. I meant, you know, the there were yeah. more than red shirts, essentially. <clears throat> Just uh, yeah. before I forget to make this joke, um, are the Symbians the sons of Mufasa? <laughs> Come on, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have to. We're going to have to find. We're going to have to change the Sembian coat of arms when he sends t- us through there. <laughs> also, when we pass by, a whole bunch of zebras will kneel down. I always do. <laughs> no, no, he's saying the zebras will kneel down. Oh, well, that's a downer. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, cause I, I've, I've going, I mean, going through the novels, there's usually some beeline, at least, that a human is part of, uh, even if the rest of the campaign is about something else. Yeah. But what I do like... Most of the villains... Okay, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, also, I can't remember. Uh, one of the books is The Siege, and another is The Sorcerer. I think it's Return of the Archwizard. Mm-hmm. That one is largely an elven story. There is uh, there's a couple major humans... Well, no, I'd say that one's about... Without being half-elven, is half-elf and, and half-human. Uh, I mean, most of the main characters, except for one of interest and the seven sisters, when they show up a couple times, are are elven characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, <coughs> but and most of the uh, once they actually codify it, most of the villains are shades, but those are sort of ma- shadow magic modified humans, so maybe it don't count. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could. Um, what I do like, because the the hu- three, 
what I do like through the campaign settings is because the humans are so populous and scattered throughout most of the campaign settings is their cultural versatility. Um, or, no, versatility is the wrong word. Diversity, that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Uh, you, you've got... You, you've got different cut. You can create all sorts of different customs and dress, and you know nothing. You know, I guess that's one of the great things about RPGs and D and D, and is you you can make the world as you see fit, and have yeah. just a whole, just click together everything how you want it to to feel. You can. Um. Yeah, and the diversity is really something I like in the humans because you really don't get quite that in other races. Even if, even among the uh, elves, for example, although of course it changes some from campaign to campaign, but mm -hmm. most of the elves kind of have a degree of relatability to one another. Although it's still kind of different, even in the realms, even high elves, wood elves, and even the drow have some major things in their culture that are similar enough they would recognize it and sort of, you know, sort of share in that thing. Even though the drow is just screwed up, you know, perversion of that culture, it's recognizable. Mm-hmm. Most dwarves are kind of the same, too. Even Dwergar kind of have at least the dwarven work ethic, um, mining, you know, interest in craftsmanship, focus on the history of their people. So a lot of dwarves are kind of the same. There are exceptions, of course, but mm -hmm. whereas humans, humans, even in the realms, just to, because there are so many analogs, the Saiyans and the and the uh, people of Mulharan are the same ethnicity, but they are so different. I mean, they're not. I mean, not only are they both humans, they're both the same. You know, what we would call race of humans. Mm -hmm. uh, they're like the people of Mulharan. They're sort of Egyptian style, somewhat isolationist. Uh, and then the Thayans are a very organized majocracy, very scholarly in parts of their history, very interested in trade, mm -hmm. um, very, very interested in the outside world, and very, and very far from isolationist, which is, you know, something you don't see in a lot of the other races. And then on top of that, you've got the Masticans, which are basically Aztecs. You've got the Shu. You've got the Wad Islands, which are basically the Chinese and the Japanese, respectively. You've got the Kalashites. You, you don't get those in other races. Except, of course, for the races that aren't really races as we think of them. Like going to just kind of like Janazi and stuff. Uh huh. Well, I'm 
Yeah, that's that's also why I like them. Um, and it allows you to make up your party and your characters as you as you see fit. Um, yeah. So that's one of the big big pluses to humans that I find. Oh, and here's one that'll rock Seth's mind. Because when we've been playing Tomb of Horrors, we could have a party where we could have a Tavoxy little T with a Tavoxy capital T. Tavoxy are, you know, of course, your race, but with a capital T, it's the African-like people that inhabit the jungles of Chult. (laughs) That uh, that sounds like a Marvel team-up waiting to happen. Especially when somebody says, hand this to the Tabaxi. (laughs) And then then the inter-party fighting begins. Um, So, we've kind of touched on it already, but, you know, role-playing as a human, I think in some ways, can be a little easier, because obviously we are humans. Speak for yourself, buddy. <laughs> Actually, I've changed my mind. I no longer self-identify as a human. I self-identify as a squirrel. Good call. <laughs> um, and it can... Um, as within the real world, in, in D&D, humans run the, you know, the ethical... Gambit. You don't have well. Generally, you know, elves are on the good side of the spectrum. It's like you're a human. Okay, here's a here's a d10. Roll roll what you want your alignment to be. It can be anything. Um, yeah. Well, they say that your average run of the mill human is tends to be true neutral, but they. But they can go all over the place because it's just one step in any direction on the alignment wheel to get anywhere else. It also kind of depends where you where you are. Like, there's probably a lot more good people in somewhere like Cormare, whereas in somewhere like Bay, uh, uh, not so much. It. I mean, but that that does help. I mean, because take like oh. Megan playing her character. She's an Azamar, supposed to be good. And she's all... She's going to become a fallen Azamar very soon. I think, rules-wise, she probably became a fallen Azamar about two turns in. Um, well, sometimes a guy needs well, his knees broken. Get new <laughs> but back to another episode. <laughs> um, so, creating your human character is actually fairly easy. Um, you just, you get, your languages are common in one other language, and you get a plus one to every ability score, which is... And they're like the only race that doesn't have dark vision. They are, but they make up for that because they get plus one to everything instead of just a plus two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, That's plus one to everything. Plus one to everything because, you know, I played a human wizard. Uh, I played an illusionist. Um, that's actually a really powerful bonus. It was just really annoying when we had to go somewhere dark because every single other person in the party had dark vision. (laughs) 
Yeah, that. You would think that maybe they're maybe they're uh, the the DM might be like, oh, and suddenly the lights go out. Sorry, illusionist. Yeah. Well, I just kept casting dancing lights. <laughs> counterspell, counterspell, counterspell. Yeah, that's all I've really got on on humans. You have anything else, Zach? Well, the one thing that does make the uh, does make the human process a little harder, although I mean because of what we mentioned, but also a lot of fun is you get to either pick a culture from your campaign or even sort of make up your own. Maybe because humans are so widespread. Maybe if you're a barbarian, you're of an Uthgard tribe no one knows about. Yeah. The totem will be Argvark. Nice. <laughs> what 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 bonuses does the Ardvark totem bestow? Use the mighty strength the Ardvark and reskin the bear totem. You also are able to eat that all small bugs. That takes a really long time. <laughs> yeah, that that is that is one of the the good things is you can just create your own. There's no real. You can create your own, or you can pick. I mean, where are you gonna be from if you're setting it in the north or say a wood elf? You're down to like three places just by saying your race, unless you live in somewhere really cosmopolitan. Mm-hmm. Which is still an option, but yeah, it does it does grant you a a greater ability to customize the backstory of your character. Yeah, and again, you've got a greater breadth of what sort of cultures you can be from. Because I mean, <clears throat> I wanted to be a Mastican before. I mean, just in the realm setting. And I've been a fan. Those are pretty different. Yeah. I mean, both, both in general and especially from one another. Well, that's, that's all I've really got for us. Anything else, guys? Sadly, I think that brings us to the end of the podcast I'm calling Oh, the Humanity. <laughs> I think I'll put that in as the, the show notes. If um, you didn't like it, we're only human. A race that gets plus one to everything. <laughs> nice. Net plus six stupid elves. <laughs> you can have your dark vision and your basic cantrips and automatic proficiency with long swords. We get plus one to everything. Oh, I think we just lost Seth again. Alrighty. Well, that covers it for this evening. Thank you for joining us. And we'll see you next time on Companions of the Perception Check. I would like to thank all of our guests, as well as bensound.com for our music, Extreme Action. You can find them at bensound.com, as well as visit us at companionsofperception.net.